Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Wellfed Business Podcast hello, with I, hello, Connor hello. Bennett, and I'm with that fucking, yeah, I know you are, this fucking numpty sat in the corner, licking windows, the evil bull <laughs> genius. Do you want to know what I did yesterday? <laughs> Licked a window? If anyone's, oh, worse, if anyone's in any doubt about, hey, John's really got his life together, <laughs> this will dispel you of any of his notions, all right? I was making an omelette for Sarah, Mrs. EBG, and I got a cup, and I went, crack, crack, two eggs into the omelette, and I was talking to Holly at the same time, and I cracked the third egg and just deliberately, so it wasn't a miss, I deliberately opened up the egg and cracked it on the shells and the remains of the other two on the worktop, and I thought to myself, I hope to God no one saw that, and I hear Holly screaming with laughter. What the fuck are you doing? Dad? Oh, we never speak of this again. Well, I thought I'd get that one before she does. But talking of egg related, talking about egg related mistakes. Um, Tamsin does some supported work for a, for a little girl with Down syndrome. So she comes over probably once or twice a week for a few hours and we take her to the arcades, this, that, and the other, teach her simple life skills. You know, this is how you talk to her a bus driver this is how you use the checkout that sort of shit we were baking a cake and she was mystified by eggs absolutely fucking mystified oh brilliant what <laughs> cracking an egg seeing it come out and she was like me do it me do it we was like yeah come on she did the first one remarkably well considering she struggles with her dexterity distances how much power to use things along those lines That's just she nailed the first one yeah it does she nailed the first one. Honestly, it was like an expert. I thought it was fucking Marco Pierre White in disguise or something. Cracked it into the bowl. Perfect. The next one, she fucked up big time. I don't know why, but she got aggressive with this egg. And rather than cracking it, she was like, no, I'm going to crush it. And we was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and eggs are quite hard little bastards, aren't they? When you really shake. squeeze it. Shake. So she was, and she was making noises. And eventually it just all over her face and god where there floods of tears after oh so you're not alone you've got something but a, related to a good learning exercise for her because she won't do that again you won't not anyway anyway what are we talking about today mr connor oh there's a few things that we want to talk about the overarching topic is pricing and there's three things that we really want to hit uh, and talk about today first and foremost is competitive pricing because we see it all the time in people's marketing, don't we, John? Oh, we won't be beaten on price or uh, we're very competitive with our prices. And we want to dispel that bollocks today. We're then going to talk about how to price instead and uh, hint it's not in the middle of the pack. And if you've listened to us for any length of time, you're going to know exactly where we're going to put your prices. But we're going to back it up and talk about the, some of the intricate details as to why. Then finally, with your new shiny pricing, we're going to talk about who's going to be paying those prices and uh, a little bit about that that demographics. Then anything I've missed there, John? No, I'm going to cough. If you have, it'll come up in the conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So competitive pricing. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be. Well, it's just wrong for so many reasons. I mean, I, I, could, I could probably give an entire two, three-hour presentation, a good segment of a day's seminar on why competitive pricing is such a bad idea. Because what does it actually mean? 
Well, what it means is you are using price as your major or certainly one of your major marketing things. And generally speaking, it's the major one. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? But Well, it means effectively you're saying to the world, big banner, I am willing to work for less than anyone else. Pretty much. Now, that's because you are competing on price. Well, competition implies you want to be first, mm -hmm. yeah? which means you are prepared to go lower than anyone else. Well, why would you do that to get the work? Well, you know, we, let's not even get into the thing about if you, a 10% fucking paid cut, sorry, a 10% price cut on a 35% markup slashes your profits by 40%. Let's not even go there. Um, yeah. Because, you know, if anybody wants to verify that, they can just go on our fucking website or whatever. It's just, I don't want to go over that again. But you are basically telling the world, I am willing to work for less than either anyone else or almost anyone else. Now, as Dan Kennedy quite rightly says, there is absolutely no strategic advantage in being the cheapest person in your market. Worse than that, there's no strategic, well, as bad as that, not worse, there is no strategic advantage in being in the middle of the pack. But there is a massive strategic advantage, which we will come to, in being the highest price. But competitive pricing, you know, we would work. Well, I mean, I, so people say this. Not only do they say we are competitively priced, we are we are affordable, okay, and we are competitive priced. But people will say we will not be knowingly undersold. If you can show us someone doing the same thing for less, Ooh. we'll refund the difference. Some people have said we'll refund twice the difference. Why would you do that? Why would you dig your own grave like that? Why would you slit I mean, your own do you, neck do you in want, such a disgusting manner? Seriously, do you want to attract people, the kind of people who work with you just because you're cheap? Do you really want nope. to do that? I don't. I don't either. But you know, this is a kind of almost a rhetorical question for everyone else out there. Why? Why would? Why? Why would you do that? I think it doesn't make any sense because there's so many things wrong with it. Competitive pricing, as you said, indicates a competition. You're willing to compete with others, and that competition <laughs> is a race. Yeah, it's a race, and the race you are in is a race to the bottom. Yeah. Have you seen the the, the movie of SpongeBob? SpongeBob SquarePants. I hate to admit, but yes, I think I've seen all three of them. The bit where Patrick, the first one, where the bit where Patrick and this other guy are arguing about how quickly they can solve this. We'll do it in five. We'll do it in three. We'll do it in two. It's yeah. like that. You know, they're yeah. arguing about who can do it the most. Who, who can have the most bizarre fucking promise about being the cheapest or the fast? I mean, why would you do that? It is another way to look at it. If you, if you think that's just a nonsense or it doesn't really resonate with you, think of it this way. You've got a marketing budget. You've got an amount of money you are willing to invest in getting new clients. Would you rather spend that money or invest that money or, or put that money towards funding a discount and get the kind of people who will buy just because it's cheap? Or would you rather put the same amount of money into, say, a high-quality marketing approach and sales approach, which gets you better clients who will pay more? Which one would you rather do? Well, if you don't know the answer to that, we'll tell you what it 
probably should be and why it should be that in the next what, 20, 30 minutes or so. Why you should always be going for the higher end. And it, it isn't yeah. just about the money you make either. It's about how you make the money, the results you get so, for your client and everything else. It's just fucking crazy that people do it another, any other way. So unfortunately, there is a core group of people in the world, typically new to business, that think price is the, the be-all and end-all. Um, perhaps some people that have been in business for a little while but have been so battered and have never been shown anything different. Other than getting a really shit quality of client who are going to bother you all the time, they're going to they're, they're be questioning your every move, they're going to be reluctant and slow to pay, and they're going to show no, no loyalty whatsoever. So the minute someone cheaper pops up, they're going to go over there. Is there any other disadvantages to working with that shit low-paying price buyer? Did you mention that you don't make any money? I didn't, but that's kind of the big one. <laughs> yeah, you don't make much money. I know. Well, there's like, I mean, here's the thing: not only do you not make much money, but you're working harder than you need to for less than you deserve. Um, but you you yeah. can't do such a great job because, and if you if if I were to make ten grand a month, right, just for the sake of argument, and I say I'm a copywriter, but I could be a carpenter or I could be a bricklayer, it doesn't make any difference. If I want to make 10k a month, now what do you think is better to do? Five 2k jobs with five different clients you have to acquire, and then five sets of neuroses you have to deal with, five sets of, of onboarding, five sets of problems, five sets of people who quite un, quite reasonably all want your time now. Yeah, priority. five points of failure. Five points of failure. Potential points yeah. of failure. And then five lots of work to do, so five walls to build, five wooden frames to make, five sales letters to write, whatever. Or one 10K job where I've got a whole month to do the job and speak to one person about one thing. Never mind the quality of the people involved, which is huge, but let's forget that. Just the sheer amount of work and the, the admin and the overhead. And it's easy to sell. And again, we'll come to that in, in a little while, but it's easy to sell one 10K sales letter than to sell five 2K sales letters. So I'll tell you right now. And I know because I've done it. You know, 20 years ago, I started doing this lot. Nothing has changed fundamentally. I want to make something really clear as well. The majority of the people that listen to this have been listening to us for some time. So they think we're, we're, we're hammering home the same message that they've heard a million times. And they're listening just because we're, we're obviously the most entertaining people on the planet. Absolutely. But unless you, you make this like part of the fundamental fabric of your beliefs around business, you will slip, I promise you. Uh, case in point, one of my favorite clients, I know we're not meant to have favorites, but we all do. Come on, let's be honest. I don't. I had a call with them yesterday. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> or you hate them all equally. <laughs> no, that's, that's also true. <laughs> I had a call with a client who's been with us for quite some time now, does the work, understands things almost intuitively. Um, fabulous guy, been with us a long time, has listened to us over and over again. They were looking up, uh, they were looking at setting up a new arm of the business in a sector kind of similar to ours. I asked him what the plan was. And the plan was to get, just to start small, to get five clients, four clients, all paying about £1,200 a month each. And, uh, you know, that that would then means he has to give up probably four hours a week 
in servicing that. Uh, but he's fine with that. The, the, the money works out well for him. Nice little bit of pocket money. I said to him, mate, you've been with us for how long? Would you rather four or five of those clients and you're making about five grand a month or you can have one client paying you five grand and it's one call a week? And he was like, oh yeah, I'm stupid. And then he said, oh, this is why I booked the calls. I booked the calls. I know it. I knew there was something obvious I was missing. I was like, it's not obvious because in your mind, charging that amount of money is still a lot of money for that service. But in reality, no, just one client paying the five rather than four paying the five. Oh, a lot easier. Oh, it's just so much easier. Also, it's fucking, and this, I promise you, when you are working like a fucking blue-ass fly, like a horny jack rabbit, and you just... I know, over caffeinated Jack Russell humping your leg. Exactly. Just like that. And you know you're not doing your best. You're just doing fucking as quick as you can to get your load off. It's soul-destroying. When you know on every job you haven't been able to deliver the best that you can, it's soul-destroying. And there's something that happens. I'm not going to pretend to understand the brain. But the minute you begin to hate your work, you will start selling less and you you, you will start selling. You will start making sales in a, in a far worse, unpolished manner. You won't be on the lookout because deep down inside, you know every time you get work, you're going to feel shit even though you get paid. It's absolutely big true. danger. Mm. It's a big, big problem. Something that isn't spoken about much. I don't think so. No, no. I mean, th- this is a. I'm not even going to pretend to be a psychologist, and I, and I get very pissed off with, especially people who are not qualified in it, like marketers and coaches. Talk I'm about psychologists. Yeah, talk about psychology. Um, as with, with a bit like the, in the same way, virgins talk about sex. With loads of enthusiasm, <laughs> but no experience or knowledge. It's a great analogy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the psychology myself. But what I do know is, and this is, I know it empirically, you know, just look at what's happening. If you spend all your time hanging around, say, social media, you are, by definition, pretty much hanging around with a bunch of average people because most people are average. That's that's what average kind of means, really. Um, and because you know the huge cross section of people are on social media, they tend to be pretty average people. But all your attitudes are going to be affected by this averageness, you know. And they've actually proven this. It was it was a study actually on heart health, believe it or not. But they looked at the data and realised first that you know if if you you are if your friends are fat, your family's fat, you are more likely to be fat. But it's worse than that. If your friend's friends are fat, you're more likely to be fat. And then it looked even wider. They went back to the study because this was pre-internet or certainly pre, pre-social media. They went back to the study and then looked at the, 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 the people in the study again after social media come along. And they realized that not only is it if your friends are fat and your friend's friends are fat, but if the kind of people you hang around with on social media are also fat, then you are more likely to be fat. Well, they then extrapolated that and looked at it. And this is confirmed by the data. In all, all, I would say all walks of life, but certainly in times of attitude. So what Jim Rohn and others have said in the past, you know, you are the, the average of the close, the, the five people closest to you. Where you got the number five from, I don't know. But the, the principle is true. The people you hang around with, communicate with, discuss things with, share your time with, etc., you will take on, you will become like an average of them. So if you're on a social media 
and you're pissing them out and running lashing your teeth about how awful the market is and you're reading posts about how awful the market is and you're having conversations about how awful the market is and how everything's on price. Now you can't do this, you can't do that. You will start to unconsciously take on these characteristics. We're all susceptible to this, I'm sure. I used to be a nightclub doorman and I'm very open about the fact I stopped doing it because I realized I was starting to take on the, the traits and attributes and the character of the average doorman door men and women I was working with, which is not very clever and, and thug-like and a little bit bigoted at times. And I didn't like that, so I stopped doing it. But if, if it can happen to me, someone who's quite self-aware and generally tends not to take on many people's attributes because I don't communicate very often with people or at a deep level, not in the, not in the, the emotional sense, you know, I don't empathise. It can happen to anyone. But it's happening to mm -hmm. you. So if you, are, if you are looking for great business and you're spending your time putting out content onto LinkedIn and for instance, or other social media to be read by and interacted with and then, and then sold to selling you to average people, your business is going to be pretty fucking average. And if that's what you want, then fine. But if you look around at your average person, your average business owner, your average client, it ain't got much to recommend it to me. Mm -hmm. This is why exclusive clubs exist. Like, yeah, uh, the one. Well, I can't even name any to be perfectly honest with you, but we, we all hear about Groucho. you know the ones where it's yeah fifty k entrance fee. Groucho, uh, just just to go to a bar and you get access to a, maybe a pool and, and a health club. But also, um, exclusive golf club golf clubs with uh, as in greens, not not yeah bats themselves. Mm -hmm. We get fifty k <laughs> green fees before you've even hit the ball once. Mm -hmm. We've got people road. pay it. Kinsale, not Kinsale, um, old head. And people pay it mm -hmm. because they want to be rubbing shoulders with people who can also afford to pay fifty grand. Because they they understand this to a deep level. When 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 poor people look at rich people and they go, oh, why are you so secretive? You know, why don't you just give me an hour of your time? It's because they're painfully aware they don't want some fucking dickhead mentality infiltrating their circle, and they also know. That the other people of rich people in those clubs would have vetted their circles so they're not having this secondary outsider effect so it's not even the immediate circle it's the the secondary circles that come off that yeah and that is worth it's weighing gold to to I mean, the, people it's why we've spent fucking stupid money on masterminds yeah. programs things along those lines yeah, if it's cheap we don't do it no it's if it's expensive enough you know i'm not, not going to do that now mm. The first, the first thing we said is don't sell yourself cheap. So the, the flip side of that is, yes, yeah, sell yourself very expensively. And people quite reasonably say, well, how do you do that? Well, I'm sorry, but it is extra work. You, you have to put yourself in front of people who can and will afford that. And, okay, that they are on social media, and we've, we, just got a, uh, we just got a client who's doing a lot of money, you know, um, very high six figures a year, and he's come on to our new elite group. Fine. And he just came off social media. Um, but that's rare. Okay? It's far better to target these people. Well, how do you target yeah. them? And it's just grunt work. If you, In many ways, if you're working B2C, it's, it's easy as pie. Because rich people tend to live in areas where rich people live. So if you were, for the sake of argument, because this is actually one of my clients, is a PT, and he's resisting this, and he's been resisting it for at least a year, and I'm getting pissed off with him now about it, but he's written a book, and I'm saying to him, get off your ass, 
is literally two minutes walk down the road from where you are and put this fucking book through rich people's letterboxes with a, with a covering letter. It'll cost you less than three quid per. Do that to a couple of hundred households. Yeah, spend a thousand quid on it. You've only got to get one guy willing mm-hmm. to pay you 10K for the year and you've made a, you know, a lot of money there. Um, he's not done it yet for all kinds of fucking <clears throat> reasons. Um, but that, that, that can be, it can be as easy as that to find natural people. Now, if you're looking B2B, to, B to it, it's also not difficult, but it's just a bit more complicated. You just have to look at their, their numbers, look at the kind of businesses there are. You can, I mean, again, depending on what they're doing. If they're, say, a, a private practitioner, healthcare practitioner, and they've got offices or a clinic in um, Harley Street, there's a good chance they're doing quite well because it's an expensive place. If they live in Knightsbridge or have offices in Knightsbridge, again, it's not guaranteed, but there's a good chance they're going to be quite uh, a profitable business. Well, then once you've got a, a bigger list of, of, of probables, what you can then do is go onto various websites, and, and there are loads of them. They're just a simple fucking... Go on to Bing, the, the latest AI-driven search, and I'll see you to give you the websites where you can find out financial data of firms. All right? Mm-hmm. And then if you really want to get clever about it, you can just download the fucking latest accounts from company's house. It might cost you a few quid. This is work, but it's not complicated or difficult. But it is a lot more difficult to complicate than just posting about your raw, authentic, fucking vulnerable self on LinkedIn. I'll give you that. Okay. And once you've got these people in your list, you then phone them with a cold call or send them a fucking direct email or send them a fucking direct mail. But people don't want to do this. They just want to, they want to attract clients. Yeah, it'd be fucking great if that, if that was the way the way, way the world worked, but it doesn't really, not very often. It's, it's a far complex matter. It, so it all things down to its simplest nature. Make yourself known to the people that you want to buy from you. When you break, break it down into it sim, sim, in the most simplistic form, that's what you're doing. And it's the easiest route to making sales. Make yourself known to those who can afford to pay you. I remember when I was a, a Facebook ads jockey uh, working with premium local, yeah, exactly. <laughs> working with premium local businesses. Uh, and the first campaign. Don't about that, no, we don't. We don't. Well, no, I, I like talking about this. Oh, I was no, an 18 year old nipper and I was fucking delivering insane results. So, local businesses that offer premium services, not the local butchers. Uh, I think carpentry, bespoke carpentry, knocking chons, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Knocking shop. Um, the first thing I'd do is just find out the richest postcodes within their their service radius, and I'd just do a simple lead generation campaign to them. And I'd say, whenever you get one of these leads, just call them. Oh my god, did it work, gangbusters? Of course it did. Because all of a sudden they were like, I haven't had to argue about price in ages. It's like, oh, well, yeah, because we're targeting the richest postcodes. It does my head in because p- p- I think people can't make all kinds of excuses. They, they, they make the excuse that they think it's immoral to charge more. And, and some people have got this philanthropic idea of they want to give the best affordable service of whatever they do, make it available to everyone. I, I get why you want to do that, but I'm sorry you are doomed to failure. Hmm. Okay. And if you want to do it, fine. You knock yourself out, but you will knock yourself out because 
it just doesn't work. I don't want to go into why it doesn't work. It just doesn't. I might not even know why it doesn't work. I could be completely wrong in my my thinking, but it, we know it doesn't work regardless of the reason. But here's a here's a let me describe a, a framework for you of, of why a very top level surface level why why selling to rich people at a higher price is better than selling to poor people at a higher price. Right, people have scarce resources. That's what, I mean, every war since the beginning of time has been fought about a scarce resource of some sort. Money, possibly, land, water, resources in the ground. Even Helen of Troy, the scarce resource of women. Okay, bloody women, blame them, right? Always there, and they're always trouble when it comes to women. But there's always a scarce resource. Now, now when it comes to, like, selling on price or selling it to a higher price or a low price, people, when they're... Say they're shopping around or they're looking to solve a problem. That's the best way to put it. They're looking to solve a problem. Doesn't matter whether it's PT related problem or what food to buy, what restaurant to go to, what physical therapy to have, what kind of surgery to have on their eye. Doesn't matter whether what car to drive or anything else. They are managing a scarce resource. Now, people who are shopping around LinkedIn, looking at content that delivers value, the scarce resource they are managing is money. Yeah, because they are looking to probably do something themselves. And if they must pay someone else to do it, they'll go often with the cheapest. Their scarce resource is money. I, I can't think of any exceptions to this, but I could be wrong. So I say, without any exception I'm aware of or can think of easily, or even want to deal with, even if I can think of one. I don't want to be dealing with anyone who's got money as a scarce resource. I, I'm, I know you can say I'm mercenary, you can say I'm capitalist which is true um all these things you can copy of any name as you like but the fact is i don't want to work with poor people who don't have any money or are money conscious if they can pay me i will work with them with other caveats too if you can't afford me or it's going to be a problem for you i don't want to know i'm not interested tough it's not my problem it's yours i've got my own problem to deal with all right so that's their scarce resource poor people or people who are not affluent are often, nearly always, managing the scarce resource of money. People who are competitively priced are meeting them in their world. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Now, affluent people are managing two other scarce resources that poor people are not, or less affluent people are not. And those two scarce resources are the scarce resources of time and energy. Now, energy is, is variable. You can have more, you can have less of it, and you decide where you put it. Time is a little bit different in the sense that you only have a certain amount of it. You never get any more. And it can be taken away from you, like, say, Steve Jobs, um, Prince, Michael Jackson, Terry Pratchett. No matter how rich and powerful information you are, your time can be taken away from you very quickly. David Bowie, all these dead famous people, you know, no matter how much money you've got, your time can be taken away from you. So rich people, affluent people... They don't want to waste time. And they don't really want to waste energy either because the two are interlinked. Their energy is time to them often. So when they have a problem to solve, no matter what it is, they are not looking to conserve the scarce resource of money in solving that problem. They're looking to conserve the scarce resources of time and energy. And this applies to B2B as well, by the way, because people in businesses are people. So if you can scope to someone with a problem, whether it's eyesight, hair colour, fucking, I don't know, gender identity for all I fucking know, there's one other who sells this kind of shit. 
they are not interested in how much it costs them. You could look at the numbers and say, yeah, well, you know, $50 to this person is, is, a, is half a day's wages. But $50 to this person is effectively nothing because it's just passive income. So their investment in you, in numbers terms, is, is irrelevant because they've got money to burn. But it's, it's, it's more, it's deeper than that. They're conserving their time and their energy. If you can say, look, you've got this problem, I can solve it, and it won't take you any time, any worry, any hassle. Your time and energy will not be invested in this at all, but it's just money. Okay, uh, let's do it. Yeah, I want to double simple. down on that. I want to double down on that. When people put things like competitive pricing in, in their advertising, whether it's a print ad, a billboard, a fucking LinkedIn post, what you're, what you're doing there when you break it down to brass tacks is you are dealing with an objection that you think the reader is going to have when you're trying to, to flog your wares. That, that's all you're doing. So when you break it down, you're just dealing with an objection that you because you're dealing important. with, yeah, that you think is important because you have it in your head. You've probably got a poor attitude to money yourself and you, you've you collected this market of price buyers. And obviously, common wisdom, give the market what it wants. Now, fuck the market. Sometimes or, they can pull you off track and down. <laughs> yeah, they can pull you into dangerous places. I'll find a market and what you're not bothered about. Money. It's a different objection. Yeah. What John said there, it's a hands-off experience. It's fully managed. That is exact, exactly the same thing as saying competitive pricing. You're just dealing with an objection. It's just different object, objections. That's all it is. And it's often around the same thing, the same service. It's just how it's presented and packaged. Yeah. If you do, uh, if you're a financial advisor, let's take that, and you say my my percentages that I take out of your investment is, is competitive, competitively priced. That is bat signaling for someone with not much to invest because they don't they can't afford to give much away. They see it as the be all and end all. They've probably got so little that they don't care if it's managed by the best or the worst. They just feel like they need to put it somewhere. That's who you're bat signaling to. But if you say this is a you know a worldwide tax efficient, fully managed, hands off service, something along those lines, and it's for people with a minimum five mil annual investments or assets under management, that sort of thing. You're both dealing with objections. Yeah. Just for different markets. And very, very simple. Just as important, not only are you dealing with the same object or with different objections, but they're still objections. You are you are solving the same problem effectively. Using yeah. the same skills. So a copywriter who who writes 500 pound blog posts and i've talked about a good copyright who writes 500 pound blog posts for shitty fucking little firms assuming they can do the job they could use the same skills to write a 10k sales letter for a more more wealthy client same problem getting business for the for their client same skills yeah. writing direct response copy completely different way of doing it you're doing the same thing for the same reason but just a different people for a different amount of money yeah. But it gets Brass even tax. better than this. It's the same. Brass tax is, is the it's same. The same thing, you know? Who do you want to write copy for? Rich people who are going to pay you loads or poor people who pay you fuck all? It's same writing, same words, double language, same double. fucking computer. Carrying on from the money example, you're spot on. The core problem there is managing money. Rich people have so much of it, they need it managed properly. Poor people have so little of it, they need it managed properly. Same problem, very, very similar solutions, but the way it's packaged and done 
is the important part. Things like uh, budget and forecasting. Rich people need to budget and forecast because they're planning for, for wealth into many centuries ahead. Poor people need to budget and forecast so they don't overspend and put themselves in the shit. By the end of the week. Tax problems. <laughs> Poor people don't save enough money to pay their tax bill. Rich people are, are trying to pay as little tax as problem. They've, they've got tax problems. The fix is the same. Mm. Get your tax as low as possible. Same problem, different fix. Same as legal and regulations. Things change in industries, new laws, new new bits and bobs. It affects rich people and poor people alike. We've got they both need to adjust to it. We've we've got so, friends and clients who've joined recently a forty two k a year mastermind, and in the room, our client, our friends are doing about a million a year, and at least one of the guys in that room showed our mate this thing. It's a, a screenshot or a, a this Stripe app doing 80k in one day that's just one of several accounts mm. and these guys our, our guys our mates were the poorest poop in the room did a million a year and we said well what do these guys need help with and they need help with the same things the greengrocer or the restaurant or the dry cleaning place down the road needs help with right clients mm-hmm. right prices predictable sales they 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 have the same problems. That's that's when it came home to me. Really, you're solving the same problem. No matter how, it's a little bit like grown ups, men, right? Men don't grow up. Their toys just get bigger and more expensive. Okay, it's the same principle. They still like to play with toys, and we do. Even men, even when we're talking among ourselves, they call we call these things our own our toys. These expensive fucking DIY equipment, you know, fucking flatbed saw in your garage. You don't need it, but you've got it because it's a toy, right? But it's the same with problems. Poor people problems or, or less affluent business problems are the same as affluent business problems for the most part. The solutions are the same for the most part, different scale. But the money you can get paid for solving them for rich people, affluent people, affluent businesses is far greater. They're better people to work with, etc., etc., etc. But it gets even better than that. Okay, because especially with B2C, it also works with B2B. Think of your first affluent client as being like a key to a, to a vault. And that's not a bad analogy. If you it's get good. one, yeah, you get all their friends as well. Why is this? Well, remember what I said a minute ago about scarce resource of time. Let's, let's go to the extreme. Let's talk about, say, Kate Beckinsale. I mean, I could talk about Kate Beckinsale all day long. I could look at photos of Kate Beckinsale all day long. Let's talk about like Kate Beckinsale and hypothetically Vin Diesel. All right, two of my favorite actors for different reasons. <laughs> Kate says to, says to Vin, Vin, I fucking love your muscles, mate. Where'd you get those? I could do with a bit of muscle building myself for my next film. What do I do? What Vin does not say is, well, what you do is you go online, go on Google and, and Google PTs, you know? Or, or there's, there's a free resource. There's a free downloadable ebook here you can get <laughs> to show you how to build muscles in 10 days. That doesn't happen. What Vin's like does even say you need to lift uh, this way 50 times a week. Right. It doesn't even say that. What Vin says, is it? Here's my guy. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't even say he's not cheap. Yeah. Kate knows that, you know? <laughs> Vin says, here's my guy. And Kate rings up and says, I want you to come to my house. And she doesn't say how much they cost. She just says, send the bill to my man and we'll sort you out. If she says even that, she probably just didn't mention the money because it's probably beneath her, as it should be. She says, I'll see you at two o'clock on Thursday. Yeah, great, brilliant. What do I need to do? 
oh, I need someone to do gym cooker. Then she then she goes to talk to her man who then buys her all this kit that gets delivered. And then he turns up at yeah. two o'clock and she does her thing. Money for wouldn't even talk to them. Now these mm-hmm. these so what I'm saying here is people, rich people, affluent people, and you don't have to do with film stars. I'm talking about people who live in say million pound houses. Well, their friends live in million pound houses too. And businesses are doing ten million a year. Well, they're they're business colleagues. They're friends, they're both they go to dinner with and they play the golf club with. They have ten million pound businesses as well. Okay. When they want a problem solved, they manage their scarce resource of time and energy and they ask someone who's already had the problem solved for them. They don't invest the time they can't afford in getting the problem solved all over again. Which is why it makes me laugh when people who are not affluent look around for cheap or free resources for things like email marketing or graphic design or whatever. Okay, They are trying to solve a problem for free, which has already been solved by someone else and they can get sold for them by investing a little bit of money. All right. And because they're investing all their time doing this low level stuff they shouldn't be doing, they're not making any money and never will be affluent. Affluent people, if you get one, you get their friends. They need a PT or a hairdresser or a personal shopper or someone to fix their shoes or someone to do the lawn, clean the car, valet the car, uh, walk the dog, look after the children, childminder, build them a new house, whatever they need. They will ask an affluent friend, pretty much. They don't waste their time on Google, on LinkedIn, on social media, looking for an affordable solution with a competitively priced fucking seller. They just don't. To sum, <clears throat> to sum that up, and it's something I tell a lot of our clients as well, John, stop thinking how and start thinking who. Who can do this for me? Mm. Don't ask your friends, how do I do this? It's a waste of your time. Who does this? Uh, a good example is, I'm not going to start naming names, but recently someone, uh, again, very good client, we both love him, was 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 stuck with something inside active campaign email automation oh, yeah. software. Yeah, I know you, mate. Yeah. He kept asking how. And I said, mate, stop asking how, just find someone to do it for you. This is a waste of your time. It's a waste of our time that we have together talking about business and, and the future and whatnot. This is cheap, low-value work. Stop trying to figure it out. Just find who, not how. He did that. He came back. I had a call with him earlier this week. And you know what he said? I wish I'd been doing this for years. It cost me 30 quid. I haven't had to think about it once, and it's done. And it's done way better than I ever could have done. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are people I know who are not setting up email marketing campaigns and autoresponders because they don't know how to do it. Stupid. It's fucking crazy. It's like going to the gym, not going to the gym and getting fat and healthy because you don't know how to lift weights. Or you, don't, you don't spend your time reading ebooks. You just get a PT. Mm, who not have? Uh, the, the same is true in how big companies hire, especially companies that are growing fast, uh, specifically in startups. They don't try and... Th- they, they know there's an area of business that they need to hire in. And the founder of the startup, more often than not, uh, 90, well, successful founders, they don't try and figure out how to do that thing. They don't figure out how to try and build that department. The first thing they do is they find someone who's going to build that department for them. They don't try and create it themselves and hire a load of you know B players to fill it with it. No, they hire the best they can find, an absolute A-star person who's going to do it all for them. And that's how the best businesses grow. 
uh, especially ones that are venture back, because I, I do understand the capital uh, required for those things. But who not how is such a fundamental shift mm. in the way that you sell, the way that you present yourself and your own outlook on your own business. And scale up. What about those businesses? Again, most people won't be doing this, but the principle holds nonetheless. Businesses that grow through acquisition. Mm. So, say, again, this is yeah. not a client, but he, he may well be a logistics firm. They want to have a logistics business in, say, Ungo Bongo land in Africa. What they do is they will buy a local, local outfit, and change it from within. They won't start from scratch. This is how they. Do. This is Facebook and Apple. It's their primary strategy for growth. Facebook acquired uh, Quest, I think it was. No, Oculus, not Quest. Quest's a very old brand, isn't it? Oh, the VR people. Yeah, because they they didn't have any idea where to where to begin with it in building out that department. So rather than Zuckerberg going right, how do we do this, guys? He just went, "Who's the best in the market?" And he paid above market rate, and he's bought them. They bought WhatsApp because they wanted the messaging framework. Exactly. They they didn't think, how do we do this? No, we just fucking buy it. Apple do this all the time. Interestingly, with Apple, they buy tiny companies if they've got a member of staff that they want. They will buy the company just to acquire a member of staff. So that's how granular Apple get with it. Uh, you know, we're talking acquisitions uh, for five hundred thousand pounds, which is a relatively small 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 amount of money in in the sale of the business. You'd think they'd be acquiring companies for for millions, and they do. But they have it so granular where they're like, right, we're just going to find the best. Who, not how. And we can Very do this. And, and this is, you know, uh, you've got to get your heads around this idea. It, it can be a bit of work to get your first affluent client. But when you do, you get access to a lot more. And this is just a theory, by the way. I've done this and I'll tell you how I did it. And I'll even name fucking names. I started out in this and I went to Dan Kennedy event. 20 years ago nearly and I listened to Dan and I, I heard this kind of stuff and I realized that my clients I'd got was shit and I wanted to get a good client so a guy called Scott Tucker he was a mortgage broker at the time and he won the Glazer Kennedy Marks as a Year Award 2005 I believe it was because it was 2006 so it's nearly 20 years ago and I said to Mrs. EBG who was with me I said I'm going to get him as my client within three months Scott Tucker who won this award one of Dan Kennedy's platinum mastermind guys. I didn't get him in three months. I got him in six weeks. All right. And I did that because this was before social media, really. So what I did was there was the old thing of news groups, Google news groups, uh, Google groups. And I, was, I found a Google group where a lot of high-level marketers were playing. So there was Scott, there was Perry Marshall. Everyone knows Perry Marshall. That's the level of people who were huge down, but they were just big at the time. And I played in that group. And my opportunity came when Scott needed someone to write a uh, press release, which is still out there. And he's, because his incumbent copywriter, who he was working with at the time, she wasn't available. So I said, I'll do it. So I did it. And I did such a good job because this fucking press release got taken up by the newswires. Um, <clears throat> I was then all of a sudden Scott's de facto copywriter, which did not please me very much at all. I became there, and she's she was a big name in her own right, and she's not happy with me at all at the time. Probably still is. <laughs> so, because I then got Scott, I worked with at least probably half a dozen of 
Scott's fellow Platinum members, but also another guy in the UK who Scott was talking to at this meeting said, I need a copywriter. And Scott said, I know, just the Brit for you. That was me. Well, since working with that guy, I'm not going to name, since working with that guy, that's how my career took off because I was then fabulous by association. All right. I became yeah. the go-to guy in those circles at that time. I'm no longer there. I could be if I wanted to be. And in some respects, I am in the sense that there are those guys, big guys, who sometimes contact me and say, would you like to draw up some copy? And I just like, no, I don't do Okay? So I'm still there if I wanted to be. But that was because of the who, not the what. I didn't spend yeah. time on social media trying to give value and work my way up. I went for someone who was already where I wanted to be in that respect, and I knew that his, his associates, his colleagues... People he would spend his time with and needed copywriters were the kind of people I wanted to work with. So this works. Oh, I've disappeared. I can still... Oh, no, you've frozen for me. Oh, I've disappeared for me, but you can hear me. I can hear you, which is the most important All right, thing. well, I'll, I'll just carry on regardless then. No one's here for your good looks, buddy. Oh, shit, they're all here for my good looks. Well, on a fucking podcast, you can. Mr. Cunt to you. So... <laughs> That's it, really. What does this say? Turn the camera off, turn it back on again. Here I am. Hello. There you go. Fix. Magic. It's that simple. Who, not how. Adopt that attitude yourself inside the business and aspire to become the who in those communities. They are communities. Uh, for example, another example, just, just again, just really drive it home. Uh, private communities in America are massive. Gated communities. It's a big thing over there. The garden that does one does all. Because everyone just walks past him every day. They know him by name. You know, fucking let's be a bit stereotypic. Javier, can you do my grass today? You know, that's how it goes. That's literally how it goes. Okay. Take that analogy and see, it, right, how can I do this myself? Being the, uh, Becoming the go-to guy or girl is not about having a great website or being popular or having loads of content giving value out. But it wouldn't be about your fucking positioning. Right. Being the go-to guy or girl is is becoming the go-to guy or girl for one person in a community you like to work in. And when I say community, I don't mean necessarily a geographical one. I mean a, a demographic, a group of people, a farm, as Dan Kennedy calls it, an affinity farm. Mm. Is, is, again, this is why we never go to fucking the local networking events, BNI, because <laughs> 99% of people there are fucking not worth not worth the membership fee is what we want not in terms of personality quality but I'm not going to a network event that's 20 quid because that's full of 20 quid buyers yeah exactly I, I don't, no. I'd sooner go to a fucking charity auction and pay the five grand for, for a networking dinner now, now of course there are exceptions here Dan Kennedy used to put little paper adverts postcard adverts in local supermarkets and DIY stores etc and he got at least 100k clients. I know this because he told me the day I spent with Dan. But that's an exception, and it's defensive marketing in that it costs you nothing to do or very little to do, and it, it may pay big dividends. Don't try to use that as an example of how content marketing works because that's a big stretch. Yes, it does happen, but it's a lot more random and a lot less sure than actually going out there and finding these people and putting yourself in front of them and going, hey, look at me. You know, we found which We're talking about surefire shit that you can control. And we can teach. Has, yeah, many variables that uh, are under our own control, where social media inherently is completely and utterly outside of our control. So for those that are saying we're old, 
fuck you, I'm 26. We fully understand the social media landscape. But in terms of your odds for success, what we're talking about is the odds are in your favor, trying to play the, the social media game. It can happen. We're not saying that. But there's no there's there's no formula to it like there is for outbound Absolutely. offline advertising. And I think with that, we're about done, aren't we, mate? We absolutely are bloody Dan. Before we, before you go as well, actually, one more thing. Uh, about that day with Dan, he spoke about another client who turned into a multi-million pound client in terms of Dan's earnings from him that he got from a shitty little no- local networking group. Um, yes. And the lesson was always be aware of the whales. There can always be a whale anywhere. But you wouldn't go fishing for a whale in a local pond. There could be a whale in there, but because the odds are there is quite fucking low. You go where the whales are to go fishing if you like actual whale. And on that note, we're done. Technically, if you're going for whales, you wouldn't be going fishing. You'd be going mammaling, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or whaling, as they call it. But yeah. Anyway, right. So if you want our help, wellfedbusiness.com or email Holly. Holly at wellfedbusiness.com and you better better do it soon because we're filling out a lead group and the next meeting is in October and if you're not in by then you can still join maybe at some point afterwards but we're increasing the fees massively so just a heads up for you Sammy Baldwin Connor anything else before we go I've got got by the time this goes out you would have received a message the old membership site's closing down uh, so check your email inboxes from an email from myself explaining the details. We've got something far better for you. But on that note, most importantly, if you want our help with this shit, email holly at wellfedbusiness.com. And on that note, stay safe. Stay inside. Get rich people. Wash your hands. And don't lower your prices. <laughs> Ciao.